welcome to Brand New Podcast. We are here today with our first Democratic guest of our podcast. We're going into the blue. Going into the blue. And uh, we are so excited to have Democratic Party Virginia Chairwoman Susan Swecker with us. And we also have the Executive Director of the Democratic Party of Virginia, Andrew Whitley, with us um, to answer questions about how we navigate a convention through coronavirus. So we're going to try to figure out how we do this. So I wanted to ask Chairwoman Swecker, welcome to the podcast. And let's just get started. Tell us about, are you headed to Milwaukee next week? Well, first of all, Matt, thank you. Thank you for hosting and having me and Andrew on. We appreciate the opportunity. Uh, no, we are um, not headed. I mean, unfortunately, I would say to Milwaukee, no one is headed there from our delegation or any of the delegations. Uh, and I applaud the decision of uh, Vice President Biden, the DNC and the DNCC to say, stay put. We want to keep you safe and healthy and be responsible. We. Um, we believe in science, so stay put and we'll figure this out. Now, having said that, um, I want to say it's, it's really, it's, it's a disappointment in a lot of ways for me, just because for me, who I've been to every convention since 1988, and it's really like a political family reunion. And so I look forward to seeing people that I might not otherwise see, networking, you know, taking some pictures with folks and uh, hanging out and, and just, you know, the whole, you know, feeling. So it's hard to get that feeling in a, in a Zoom convention. And then also for people, for my ED, like Andrew and others on the staff that have never been, or this time our first year national delegates that have never been and had that experience. So, you know, that does, you know, that makes me a little bit sad, but first and foremost, nothing is more important than keeping people safe and healthy and just keeping focused on the end goal of electing Joe Biden and Kamala Harris um, this fall and the rest of our ticket. We did, I will say, and Andrew may want to add in here, uh, we had to do very much of what we're doing on the national level at our uh, local and state level this year. So we very quickly pivoted uh, after things shut down in March to hosting uh, Zoom caucuses, Zoom uh, CD conventions, a whole three-day state convention. And uh, while it's not the same as in person and you don't get that you know, you're not wearing your party hat. Maybe, well, maybe people are. You know, we said, yeah, put your party hat on, wear your buttons, you know, whatever. But, um, Bring and drink bourbon. bourbon. Yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, um, but it, but it was good. It went well. So I think all in all, we are, we have learned how to make um, uh, lemonade out of lemons. Would you agree with that, Andrew? Yeah. No, I mean, I would. I, I, the only thing I would add is that I think now that we're entering what, what it feels like, we've been doing this for months and months and months. I guess we have almost six months now. It's starting to get a little, uh, the, the excitement I think of, of doing all this via zoom is kind of dwindling. Cause you know, we everybody's zoomed out at this point, but, uh, we, 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 you know, we have got our, uh, caucus meetings that are on zoom. So you can still participate in all the normal stuff that you would in Milwaukee. Um, we obviously are, have, um, our, uh, own delegation meetings that we're organizing like we were going to Milwaukee and bringing in guests from both in-state and out-of-state um, to be a part of it. So yeah, we're, we're rocking and rolling and our delegation's voting. And so we're, it's, 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 we're, we're having a good time. So we tried to, I was going to interrupt and say, we tried to adhere to the kind of the same schedule we would have if we were there in person. 
person. Mm -hmm. So we, you know, we have our every every morning, Monday through Thursday, we'll have a delegation breakfast where if we were in person, we would. But, uh, and we're doing the same thing. We would have guest speakers, and then that's where you would get your instructions for the day. The instructions for the day are a little less, you know, but, but you can, then there are other things you can pick and choose to do. And then we banded together, for example, we have a kickoff uh, happy hour fundraiser Friday with, uh, we call it our DMV event with the District of Columbia and Maryland. And so that will be kind of fun. And then there are other things that we are joining together with the Southern Caucus to do. So we, you know, we're trying to punch it up, make it as fun as possible. But Andrew's right, it's, 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 it's hard. But I think with the excitement now of uh, Kamala Harris being on the ticket that we've got, you know, we, our batteries are recharged a little bit and we're, uh, folks are looking forward to it this week. Do you guys feel like having, having this through Zoom and you said that every, everybody is pretty much Zoomed out? And yeah, with the addition of Kamala Harris, definitely I would say injected um, excitement into the campaign. Do you guys feel, though, that having a virtual campaign, even though it's keeping people safe, kind of takes away that, that high, that excitement heading towards November? So I think that the one thing um, that has been uh, invigorating for me and inspiring for me is that whatever has been thrown at us, Virginia Democrats and across the country, too, you know, we know what's important. And we know that right now voting, making sure that people in Virginia can vote in a safe and accessible manner is the most important thing. I mean, we need to get rid of this pandemic and this virus, but we need to get rid of the virus that's occupying the White House too and take care of that. And, you know, when when the worst day of my life, other than, I may have told you all this before, other than um, of someone in my family or loved one dying was the, the, the election night of 2016. And we all are really worried about that. But you know what? Ever since um, that women's march and ever since in Virginia, that brought about people to run for office. The um, groups, that, the indivisibles and the sister districts that, you know, started growing up and said, we're going to, we're going to step up, you know, we're going to organize, we're going to organize. Our committees in lots of places that had been dormant, uh, and, and, and fairly inactive, uh, started drawing membership and, and still are to this day. And the, the ones that were strong got stronger. And I would always say each year and each couple months, this is sustainable. And here we are, it's been sustainable. And I have the deepest respect for our Virginia Democrats and uh, that say, you know, we're going to keep our eyes on the prize because the future of democracy is at stake here. So do I miss it? Yeah. Will we miss it? Yes, you know, it's, 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 it's that you do miss the, um, you know, it's just like anything else we're doing. You miss the personal encounters, the one-on-ones. On what you just what you mentioned, Michael, I, I think that one of the things that to look at is too, is that there is definitely a drive and a focus to, to, you know, what, on what's important. Um, I think that you can see that in, how many people that uh, that are still volunteering with us, albeit virtually? How many people that are giving money to you know to the campaigns? I mean, you know, we uh, the, all uh, from CD five, CD two, CD seven. You know, you got our Democratic candidates that are that are doing that are in a really good place, out raising their opponents, and 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 it's not you know big checks. These are these are grassroots donors that are coming in and, and that are really supporting and booing booing their campaign. So I think that while people are definitely you know, itching to get back out in person and see some folks again, I think that there still is a definite drive and a focus on, on November. So let me ask this question. Platform, do we, so the platform, has the platform been voted on and agreed to already at the convention? 
Um, so this is one of the little nuances too. It's that we're doing um, things a little differently, and um, and these were rule. Um, I'm on the rules and bylaws committee for the DNC, and so we spent a lot of time reworking the rules to adapt in this new environment. And part of that was um, going ahead um, and voting on everything prior to the actual gathering in of the convention. So between, I think it, uh, the fifth, uh, wait a minute, the 15th is the vote in. So you vote on, you know, you vote on your nominee and you vote on the platform and you vote on uh, whether or not you want to continue the reform, the reforms that were enacted in, in 16. So by in three days from now, everybody would have voted and uh, that's done and they will just announce that. So a lot of things that, you know, that's another thing about in-person convention where, um, uh, you, you know, the dynamics are a little bit different, you know, because of, you know, in 2016, we didn't exactly come out of there as united as I would have hoped. And I didn't like a lot of the stuff I saw on the floor and uh, dealing with, uh, uh, you, you, you know, some, some of the uh, protests. Uh, and I don't think that would have happened anyway this time. Uh, I do think that, you know, and I give, I, I'm going to say, major credit to Bernie Sanders and everybody else that ran for president uh, on, on this time for, uh, again, stepping up and supporting the nominee and doing everything that they can. And our party is, you know, actually more unified, but in terms of the opportunity to have debate and those types of things, um, that's not what we're looking for this time. Are you guys worried at all about any, there may not be protests, but, you know, last time it wasn't necessarily Bernie, but a lot of the Bernie supporters. Um, do you think, though, or are you guys worried of any virtual sabotage or disruption or security issues with, with not, Zoom? We're, I'm, we're always worried about that, but not from our own people. Um, okay. You know, I think we're always concerned about that. Look, um, there was a number of the Bernie, Bernie delegation across the country that voted no yesterday on the platform because it didn't, uh, didn't have Medicare for all. So, okay, that's fine. You know, void, you know, you know we're we're big tent and open to all all but no i think we're as a as a party everybody is united i would worry about cybersecurity attacks from from others uh when i say foreign sources i mean you know foreign and domestic i guess is what i would say and i and i think that's kudos to 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 uh senator sanders and vice president biden i mean they've got the the that their uh, reform or their commissions that they've been putting in place since um, uh, Joe Biden became the, our apparent nominee uh, that has, you know, kind of came up with comprehensive solutions from climate change to um, health care, et cetera, et cetera. So I think that there's been a really good effort made by both, you know, kind of factions within our party to kind of come together, hash it out, and, and, and like I said, be united and focused and, uh, and, and ready to go, come, uh, especially coming out of this convention. One of the things that Senator Sanders said, um, and and I think this is sort of who Joe Biden is and why you see people coming together is that he, he um, they worked well together in the United States Senate and Joe Biden was always respectful to him. He was always nice to him. He always included him. And I think you can see a real, you know, that they have a real warm relationship. And, um, you know, and I think you see that with Kamala Harris and he now um, that the, and it's that, you know, that's that's his, um, you know, he's he's one of the most sincere uh, sincere uh, elected officials that are, you know, is around and it comes across and it's um, paying dividends for him right now. Well, I think one of the things that we can all agree on, Republican, Democrat, and, and you know, 
I don't think that it matters who you are, but to have a woman of color be picked for vice president is huge. Yeah, it's it's historic. It, I, I think you know, but I wonder, and my question is. Is there going to be too much enthusiasm for the bottom of the ticket instead of the top of the ticket? Is my question to you guys. I mean, do you is that something you worry about? You know what? Um, I, I want to. I, I was surprised at how emotional I was about it yesterday, and I came in and 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 it, it and it was announced right as I came in in the house and and then listened to Joy Reid was talking on TV, and I it was it was really you know impactful to me. I had I. I didn't really have a preference. I just wanted a woman of color because we had so many that were strong and would be really, really great. Um, but uh, it, it was, and, and I was hearing, you know, from everybody in my family and my friends, you know, the, from the, the young kids to the seniors were so happy. And I think that just was, you know, made, showed us, you know, how strong Joe Biden is too, that he's a strong man who is, 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 is happy to appoint a strong, experienced woman to work by his side. And, you know, if you look at Joe Biden, he's been surrounded by strong women all his life. And you look at, um, you know, at how he's, he's operated. I mean, Jill Biden is a very strong woman. But uh, I just think it speaks volumes for both. And I don't think he really, you know, I think he's looking, he, I think he looked and he found the person who not only has experience, but also that he can trust and that he can confide in and will be a real working partner with him. Plus it's reflective of, I mean, a key voting block for you guys. I mean, I arguably, see. arguably it was black women that got Joe to the finish line in South Carolina and forward. Absolutely. So, great point. Yes, it was. And, you know, I thought about my friends, Leah Daltrey and Donna Brazil and many on more yesterday who've been black women on the forefront nationally and fighting their way into politics. And I was kind of quiet yesterday because I was like, this is their time, you know, for, this, this is their time to, um, but, but boy, was I feeling it. Yeah. I, I love Donna Brazil. I've always, wanted I do to too. I've always <laughs> wanted to meet her. Um, she, she just, she's so just, her commentary is so, next level I, I love i loved her book care uh that we get out of this reset this you know economic pandemic too and um and move virginia forward well i'm sorry that i left for just a second <laughs> hey matt we you know what i said CB5. i said you i said you were i said you were going to get another bourbon well yeah i, I would love to be drinking bourbon on a wednesday um so, <laughs> so uh chairwoman swecker I want to ask you a question because you are, um, it, it's really wonderful to see a major political party in Virginia. And I look at DPVA and while I don't agree with everything you do, I think it's amazing that you're from Highland County and your executive director is from Marion. And we don't talk about Western Virginia enough, especially Southwest Virginia. Um, both parties are guilty of it. I, I mean, we, we talk about Fairfax and we talk about Virginia Beach and we talk about Richmond and we never talk about Western Virginia. And so I, I think that's one of the really cool parts about DPVA is that there's Western Virginia voices there. Well, well thank you. I'm, I'm a proud Highland County girl and, um, uh, and we have some work to do out that way, but we're not giving up. 
I, I like to say, and Andrew and I talk about it all the time. I mean, I mean, even though you, you know you don't vote, you don't vote for Democrats. You know, our Democrats are going to keep still working for you. And so we know we have some work to do out there, and we're going to we're going to keep on. We'll keep on highlighting it, and and I think you know you know Dr. Webb in the fifth district that would be huge for us. And actually, um, uh, 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 Quasim Rashid in the first district running against Rob Whitman. There's a lot of rule in the in the first, and he's an incredibly great candidate for us too. And I think one of the things is when we have candidates, we we need to. That's what happened. And in, in 17 and 18 and 19, but, but you know, in these local races, a lot of times we had let our, and I blame this, this is on the Democrats, we let our party atrophy in these rural areas and places that were a little difficult. And then, you, you know, if you don't run anybody, you can't win, you can't build up your base, you can't build up your message. And it's good all around if you have people run, right, Andrew? Yeah, I mean, you, you can look in, in 19, I think it's also to how you define your success, because you look in 19 for Democrats, we had a candidate out in uh, coal country, uh, Starla Kaiser, who ran, um, I'm thinking you had us she, terrified. You had us terrified. Uh, like we were, we was she, was she running against Wampler? Was that it? That was, was that Wampler's the, race? And so we yeah. were, we were like, oh crap! Here's this Ivy League doctor, like in Russell County, like doing Jesus's work, like helping poor people, and like we were like, I, I'll be honest, some of us Southwest people were like, Ugh. Mm-hmm. And I think she won Dickinson County. I mean, you know, that, that's that's Dickinson County. You're right. Yeah. She won. She won Dickinson County, and so that's that's something that you know. We have these conversations about rural Virginia, and and it's so important because, you know, those people are hardworking Americans who love their country, just want a better life, and I think that's something that's amazing, and so. You know, I mean, you also, Matt, you, you can look over the border in, in, in Kentucky and in West Virginia and, you know, these Appalachian Democrats are not in these seats are, is not a far fetched thing. I mean, there's, I, I would make the argument that there's not too much difference between Pike County, Kentucky, other than Pikeville and like, you know, that little like community there and, and our coal country, but, and they, and they're represented by a Democrat in their state and their state house. So you know, I think it's possible that that we can that we can uh, make some gains there. And I think Starla proved that. You know, we we love to kind of. I think that everybody, especially right now, where we're we're so partisan, we like to th- we like to think that like, you know, there is there such a thing as a as an independent, undecided voter who you know anymore like, or they do they know you know from the get go who they're going to vote for because of the party. But Star- Starla proved that they're definitely you can run a local race on local issues and still be able to be successful. Now, we've got to work to do in, in Russell County and Wise County and the rest of that district down there and, and to, to, you know, to, to actually win some seats, but it's possible. So, you know, I think that, I think it's it just, just talking about finding that right issue and, and, and doing it, I think is, it, it proves that there's, there's, there's work that we can do and, it, and, and it's not all lost. I was just about to bring that up to you guys. If you look at, you know, just, just across into West Virginia, you have, um, I mean, Joe Manchin has been there for years, you know, to fit your approach. But you've also had Sammy Brown, who's emerged as an incredible uh, young leader. You have uh, Stephen Smith, I believe, lost his race for governor. But he kind of latched onto the populist Appalachian movement, as well as, um, what was it, Paula Swearing John was mm-hmm. featured in the documentary Knock Down the House. And she made a run for it. So, I mean, and if you think about it, I guess 50 50 years ago, Democrats played very, very well 
in in your area. So I, yeah. you know, it's 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 interesting. I feel like right now, Republicans and Democrats have they're trying to find America in their own way. I feel like the Republican Party has work to do in the urban community, but the Democrats have work to do in the rural community. And it's kind of we're on this inverse journey together, and it's really interesting. I would like this question for both of you. What is your message to, for uh, you know, the hardworking, you know, um, voter who just wants to provide you know a roof over their family's head, food on the table, and so happens to be a Trump voter? What is your message to cross over for a Biden Harris ticket? Susie, you want to go first? Or you want me to take a crack at it? You take a crack at it. I want to see what you say, and then I'll weigh in. I mean, I, I would I, I would counter with you know we're we're the party of labor. We're the party that that believes in making sure that you have a good paying job. That you know no matter if you're working at a McDonald's or if you're working at a Walmart or wherever that you're able to provide um, you know for your family for for you know whether it's yourself or you know your 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 kids your spouse whatever. Um, I think that we oftentimes like to or like we. The, the, these those kind of jobs are often, I think, belittled, and they, and people like to think that oh, they're just high schoolers doing those jobs. But when you look back and you look at the data, those are like they're overwhelmingly those are those are people who are adults that are working those jobs because they have to put food on the table. So I, I would say that again, Democrats, we want to pay you a living wage. We want to make sure that you have health care, especially in the national pandemic. Um, and we want to make sure that at least right now, and this is a shout out to our current governor, that while we are in these really bad economic times, we don't want to put you out of your house so that you're left homeless on the street either. I mean, I think that it, even if you if you look at just what the basis of our party is, and, and you can make arguments about whether or not we can afford some of these things, but we want to give more things as opposed to take it away. And I think that that's even even that's who we that's that's who Democrats are. We want to make sure that you have a good paying job, have health care, um, and in a roof over your head. Susan, I know you look yeah. like you've got something to say too. Yeah, well, I think I would say we want to. We're not just giving things to the top one percent, which is what the president has done, and that until we can have a more just and equal and fair society for everybody, you know, where there's a level playing field. I understand a hopelessness and I understand a despair, particularly of rural communities and feeling like that you have nowhere to go and no one to help you. Uh, I do feel like that, that particularly in a Joe Biden, for example, someone who came from, you know, uh, a working class labor family, Scranton, Pennsylvania, who really, you know, didn't really have any money until he left the vice president's office, quite frankly. And that I do think that, that voters want somebody that they can relate to and feels what they're going through. And I, I think that is the disappointment in everything that I have read about the rural Trump voters, or not just rural, Trump voters that are switching this time, is like, well, he said he was gonna you know, save our jobs, he, or bring jobs here. Um, and he, he's done this, he, said, you know, he hasn't done what he said he was gonna do. And then you add that in to um, all the other insults and the graft and corruption and criminal enterprise that he has run out of the White House. And I think that that's, you just, you stay that. But I do think that, you know, you can relate to Joe Biden. Uh, and you know that Joe Biden would love to come to your home and he, he would open the door and feel comfortable and welcome. Can you imagine Donald Trump actually being in your home and feeling like, you know, he really wanted to be there? Come on. I also think too, though, we, you know, we, we, we like, and this is, I think both sides are guilty of this. 
we we scare voters too much instead of having a conversation. You know, like like I, the. Can we all agree that I'm sick of scaring voters? Like, yeah. we scare both parties, Republican, Democrat, Independent. We scare the shit out of voters, and we tell them, so, yeah. To a degree, I will, with a caveat, there's a lot to be scared about. I truly think that our democracy is at stake. When you look at the grab that, you know, Donald Trump and Bill Barr are doing with the United States Postal Service to stop, um, uh, you know, mail in this election uh, and, and look at, at, at other things that are occurring, I think, but the thing I will agree with, you have to differentiate between, you know, what is your daily, oh, the, the sky is falling to the really truthful, hey, we got a problem here. Well, and, and, and what, what I mean by that in particular, like, and I'm, you know, we, I think that we boil down elections too much about, you know, these social issues instead of, you know, how it affects, I, I, and I think that's, that's what, in rural voters in particular. Okay, Andrew, I'm going to have to disagree with you on that one, though. I mean, the Supreme Court is at stake, and women's right to choose is at stake. So, social issue uh, right right to choose is is really important. So, no, I'm, so I, I'm glad you brought I'm on that a different, up, guys. I, pardon me. I'm glad you brought that up because in the rural and look, I'm not from Southwest Virginia, but I'd imagine that Southwest Virginia, um, there are a large majority of voters who might be pro-life, pro-gun. Is there a room for them in the Democratic Party? Because there used to be pro-life, pro-gun pro-cold Democrats. Is there still a room? Well, first of all, the, I and mean, when I was growing up, I mean, I was, when I was growing up, when I was first in the, you know, involved in, you know, actually Wayne LaPierre, who is the, uh, you know, head of the NRA, mm -hmm. was a legislative aide for Vic Thomas. He was from Roanoke. And then the NRA was more of a uh, gun safety organization then. They're the ones that changed to, um, you can't take, you know, do anything or you're like, you know, I mean, mm -hmm. so much that, you know, former president George Bush, first president, you know, resigned from the NRA. So um, I think it's an, it depends kind of conversation. Uh, and, uh, but if you are hard pro-life and mm -hmm. you probably not going to be comfortable in the democratic party, quite frankly. I mean, so even I'm if you're like a John Bell where you're, you know, you're well, Democrat, you're right, maybe on the social opinions. issues. Well, I mean, if that's his and his and people reelecting, that's his. But but you know, you're right to have your own opinion. It's how you mm -hmm. inflict it on somebody right. else, on a woman. That's what and, I was going to say. Um, yeah, you you can be you can be pro life individually, but don't don't legislate it. It doesn't bother me. Right. It doesn't bother me at all. Uh, I think we have lots of people, you know, including Tim Kaine, who was on our yeah. last time that had his own personal opinion. But even as governor, as U.S. senator, never you know, he, he respected the women's right to choose. Well, I think we're having a great conversation, but I want to take a break for a fun topic. <laughs> um, Susan, you have an amazing taste in music, which uh, is my favorite. Nothing we can agree on then, right? <laughs> um, you have an amazing taste in music, which is one of my favorite things about you, is that we are very, very similar. Um, I'm obsessed with Tyler Childers right now. Uh, mm. And Love Tyler Childers. And we're both American Aquarium fans. Um, we need some live music in our lives. I'll wear a mask to go watch American Aquarium if you're listening. All right, guys, you have to explain this to me. What is that? What is this? Tyler Childers and American Aquarium. Mike is a Yankee from the North. <laughs> and so 
Mike is a Yankee, and so we have to explain. Americana is this beautiful mix of country and bluegrass and rock and roll, and it's it's like but not like rockabilly. Oh, some know. of that in it. You can add that in. Okay. Um. So, do you have a favorite venue to go watch your Americana? Do you have your, you know, where where's your where's your go to? like live music spot in Virginia. And golly, have I missed that this year? I mean, I, I that is, that has been, um, I was talking to my niece, loves, loves this too, and we go to a lot of stuff together, but the Ashland Theater was the last place I saw PJ Barnum and American Aquarium, which is uh, right at down in Ashland, an old movie theater that's been renovated, small venue, and he comes out and talks to, you know, he stands in, I mean, he'll stay there and talk and plays merchandise. And um, that, that would, that's a really cool place. Of course, Altria Theater down here in the fan, it's a little bigger, but, you know, Jason Isbell usually does one show a year there. I don't know whether he will, you know, now. Of it's course. a beautiful theater. Yeah. Yeah. So that, you know, that's great. And there's a couple other little places. Some, every once in a while I'll go, what's that place down, uh, Andrew, do you know, down, uh, Beside the Marriott, it's kind of divey, but they still have some good. Cody Jinks, I went to see Cody Jinks there once, and that was just a stitch. <laughs> the National. Sure the National. All this stuff. <laughs> I see, you've got good taste in music. Like, I just, they're, like, when it rains, I just want to, like, curl up with a blanket with a glass of Maker's Mark and listen to Jason Isbell. That's my... I got to tell you, he and, and, and American Aquarium helped heal my heart after 16. That's what our turn to was music um, to just kind of check out for a while and um, then discovered, um, you know, um, uh, uh, a couple of these, these other folks along the way too. And, and it's just been, um, you know, it's been fun. So what's your favorite kind of bourbon? What's your, what's your go-to? Uh, you know, I don't really have a favorite. You know, I love to test everything out. Right now, I'm sipping on a little Colonel E.H. Taylor. Uh, a lot of people, you know, like that Pappy Van Winkle, but I can't afford that. So I read an article one time that said, if you can't, if you can't get this, this is a good second. And it's really, it's, it's kind of been a, a, a mainstay since I found that. Pappy Van Winkle? It's well, a Pappy Van Winkle, I can't afford, but... <laughs> <laughs> I've had a shot of Pappy Van Winkle. It was a $25 shot of bourbon yeah. and it was a beautiful bourbon. It was fantastic. See that that's a bourbon that sounds like someone from the North would make up that's uh, like people in the South drink. Yeah, that's, that's a good point. You're exactly right. Yeah. So, well, I, I'm like Joe Biden. I'm a teetotaler, so I have no skin in the game. Um, <laughs> well, We'll pray for Mike because <laughs> I'm a Maker's Mark guy myself. I I think we'll all drink Maker's Mark in heaven. I'm just I, I think I'll, I'll go with that. Uh, we'll all have a glass of Maker's Mark in heaven while we sit around and you know talk to Jesus. I think he'll be okay with Maker's Mark in heaven. Um, well, well I, will, I will throw in I will throw in a good Virginia uh, bourbon, Catawcan Creek. Good Virginia Distillery up in Loudon that has a fine product too. Just to give a shout out to oh, our shout up up, up here, <laughs> real quick before you guys have to run. I know we're uh, against a hard break here, but I I have to ask you guys this question: Is Terry in or out? If you don't have to answer. Is, is Terry, Terry in or out? 
Well, I think that, you know, I would say he's fully focused right now on electing Joe Biden, number one. Um, but just look at his, I mean, he's, you know, he's got a pack just like everybody else. So take it for what you will when we'll see after November. Well, I, I want to talk about, before we go, you guys are some storied operatives, the both of you. I mean, let's, lest we all forget, Andrew worked on the Yost, uh, the Joseph Yost Chris Hurst race, which mm-hmm. was a huge upset in Southwest Virginia politics. Um, and so, that made national news. Yeah, it made national news, um, you know, and was a huge race. And then Susan has been involved in races for. Let's don't, don't go that far. Yeah. I don't want to make Jimmy you sound Carter. Jimmy Carter, 1980, was my first campaign, paid campaign job. $800 a month I made and cried like a baby the night he lost. So I learned, you know, it, it was a tough lesson, but I, you know, learned a lot from it. Well, and, and you've been, you've been in the House of Delegates, you've worked all these, you've, you've been a legislative aide, you've done, um, I loved your podcast with Transition Virginia, where y'all talked about the three finger rule. That was, that was hilarious. Um, that discussion. That was a lot of fun. Um, they do a good job. They're really good at podcasting. Um, but let me ask this before we go. Do you worry, you know, we've got, I, I joke with Andrew all the time. You know, he says, there you go. Amanda Chase is going off and doing something crazy. And then I'll go, well, y'all got, you know, I'll insert a name here, Lee Carter. Lee Carter. On the far <laughs> left. And so how do we balance that as a party? How do we balance the far right and the far left? How Because it's healthy to have a two-party system, whether we're Democrat operatives or Republican operatives. Two parties. You know what? You're absolutely right. I totally agree with you on that. And we have got to get to the point. um, You know, we held on in Virginia for a long time that we weren't like Washington. And now I think things have gotten harder and hardened a little bit um, where, you know, the partisan battle sometimes is more important than the actual doing the work of the people. And uh, I think we need to get back to that. I do think Governor Northam has done a good job of, um, you know, of um, bringing people together, uh, particularly in this pandemic and um, uniting folks on both sides. And I know, you know, there's, there's darts that get slung here and there. And then we, you know, and there's nothing new under the sun, right? This has been a problem all along. You know, whoever's in, in like with us, all of a sudden we're in the, I mean, it, you know, I never thought we'd get the majority back in my lifetime. So here it came fast and it came quick. And, you know, you have, if you look at this, you have two members of the House of Delegates that were there the last time we were had, had the majority. So there is a learning curve on that. And you have to learn to, to you know, get along. I also think, though, that we're, I mean, from the Democratic side, we're a big tent party. I mean, we, you know, we've always been the big tent party. And when you, I mean, you got to remember, like, just like on the national level, you've got you know, AOC and the squad in the same party as, you know, who, like, people, like, you know, uh, like, insert moderate Democrat Manson. here. We, right, we've got the same, this, this, we got the same stuff in Virginia where you've got Saslaw and, like, Lee Carter. We're a big tent party. We talk about, you know, we, we figure it out how like we how to how to legislate and i think you know i think that we've done a good job this year of showing that 
we, we came in, our priorities, we, we, we acted on them. Um, and, and I would make the argument that uh, under um, Saslaws and especially Speaker Fillercorn's leadership, we, we really moved Virginia forward in a big way this, this last couple of years. I know you all might have different opinions and your listeners might have different opinions, but um, I, think that we, I think that we had sensible leadership that, that took us in the right direction this year. And you, know, you, and, and you had voices in, in, those, in our party that were, you know, from, from both kind of like factions, if you will, but we you know we made it work. When I would like to add this in about Lee Carter too, and I understand, you know, people that he might be an acquired taste for a lot of people, but you know what? He got, he, he sponsored and got passed and signed into law uh, legislation that um, um, was no copay for insulin drugs. Yeah. You know, <laughs> Hey, that helped. That's that goes along every socioeconomic level of help for yep. somebody especially down in our neck of the woods too where i mean mm-hmm. you know you look at what how where who that helps which we were talking about rural voters like that that that's a that helps a lot of virginians but it helps rural voters no matter what and mind you that i think that he he's he is not afraid of who he is and he went up for he re-election of his own shadow that is for certain went up, went, went up again went up for re-election and and his and his constituents voted him in again so i you know i think that he's um I think that he does a good job representing what, 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 who, who he, who he is, and who he wants to be, and it, and it, and whether you like him or not, his constituents seem to seem to. Well, we're excited for next week. I love a national convention. I I don't care if it's Republican or Democrat. I'll watch every hour of the conventions because it's beautiful to see democracy in action, mm-hmm. and I think that's. That's going to be the fun part of next week. I'm looking forward to next week. Um, just a note for our listeners, um, as many of you probably know, the Republican Party of Virginia is having a, a party leadership election. So whoever comes out on top as chairman, we will have them on next week to do the very same, to preview the Republican yes. National Convention and whoever is out there. And so we want to thank Susan and Andrew for coming on tonight. We have had a blast talking about um, democratic politics in Virginia, and we want to thank them. And next week we are going to have Cameron Webb on our podcast. So, yes. So we're getting Cameron next week. So Chairwoman Slecker, you will always be our first democratic guest. Um, Yeah. Thank you for that. Spread the word. We don't. We don't bite. No, no. You, you guys are great, and I really appreciate it. This is the way um, I grew up. Is even though you, we may disagree, we're not disagreeable about it. And I hope we can get back to that. I would like. To, um, I do want to thank you all, but I'm going to close out with one Jason. Um, Jason Isbell, my favorite song. And um, if you haven't listened to it, um, maybe it's time. It's maybe it's time to change, um, change your plans to let, let go of the old ways. Uh, and it was the one Jason wrote for Bradley Cooper and the stars born. So, um, Oh, you know, he wrote that. Yeah. Jason. I Isbell love wrote that, that movie. I love that so, movie. That is, I go to sleep every night dreaming of Jason Isbell and Bradley Cooper. What? <laughs> Jason Isbell is my, is my rainy day bourbon music. And, um, so, I think and he's shaking his head. <laughs> Andrew, we also thank you for coming on. You have, you're really just a, one of those fun people to talk to. 
and you've been an operative on tough races and I know you've had to actually fight to get where you are. And so I, I have a lot of respect for you, even if we disagree. So right back at you. We got to catch a, a Virginia Tech football game whenever they have college football again soon. So we'll and and while Andrew's on, did Danny Cole catch the football? Can we have that debate? Yeah, and look, you you don't want to have me revisit that because that was that was tough. Hell yeah, he caught that ball. He caught the damn football. Let's just all agree. Um, so we thank there you we for coming on. Next week we'll have Cameron Webb, and we will also uh, hopefully whoever turns out to be state party chairman of the Republican Party of Virginia. Those elections are this weekend, so we'll have them. Com- Uh, for the Republican National Convention. So thank you and hold on just a second.